down there. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the love of God. And, and, and I, 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 my favorite hymn, and we, we are going to learn it here, is the same title. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It reaches to the highest star and reaches into the lowest hell. Says a guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. The love of God. How big is it? How great is it? You know, we're, 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 we're into our third week just talking about the love of God. And uh, somebody asked me one time, they said, when, when does it run out? When does this come? When does, it, when does it stop? You can't just keep preaching on the love of God. You can't just keep this thing going. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced if I preach nothing else, stop for the next amount of time that God has us here, that we can never preach it enough. We can never understand it enough. And somebody said to me one time, well, Brent, the way you preach this, it, 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 I, don't, I don't understand. There has to be a limit. And, and so to that, I would ask, well, what do you in your finite understanding of the universe, in your great wisdom of all things created past or, or, or in our present, in your great understanding of what may happen in the future, and in your great understanding of the limits of a limitless God, how are you going to impose those limits on His love? The one who created you. How can we impose a limit on God? The word tells us that, that, that when he breathes, that, that stars proceed out of his nostrils. It says that all the dust in all of the universe, not just our galaxy, because you realize the universe is bigger than what we see. He knows the measure of it. The word says that all the water, now think of water, in its gaseous state, in its solid state, in its liquid state. He says that all the water of the universe would fit in that little hollow part in his hand. And we think we can tell him what his limits are. That there has to be a limit. He, his love can't be that great. Folks, I'm telling you, until you understand how great God's love is for you, you will never you will always struggle with trying to live this life that He has called you to live. Because you'll always go around feeling you're unworthy. You'll you go around feeling that you're unloved. You'll go around feeling that nobody cares, that some, something's wrong with you. At one time, and I, I, I didn't mean this seriously, but at one time while Ron was uh, just going with his spirit to the house, I, I looked back and said, shut up. Because everything I'm going to minister to you has been ministered to you this morning. <laughs> Almost some scriptures. Folks, I've said it every week and I'm going to say it again. God doesn't do love. He is love. Yeah. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4 verse 9, 16. Yeah. 1 John chapter 4 verse 16. It says that we have come, and I'm reading now the Passion Translation. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says that we have come into an intimate experience with God's love. See, a lot of times we think we have an intimate experience with God. He says here we come into an intimate experience with His love. 
Why? Because you can't separate him from his love. We are coming to an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. And those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives through them. And so we, we look at that and we say, well, there has to be a limit. God can't love that much. There has to come a time where God is going to say, no, no, you've reached the limit. For you to reach the limit of God's love is for you to say that I've reached the limit of God. And the reason that people are looking for the limits of God, because Ron, I don't know how many people tell me, you make it too easy. It's supposed to be. You know, I hope Reese doesn't find it hard to be my son. Now, I may be hard to deal with. But I hope he understands that he's just my son just because. You see, and the reason people try to find a limit to God's love is for two reasons. For the first one is this. They know the limits of their own love and they're trying to create God in their image. Let that sit down on you. I know the limits of my love and how far I'm willing to take it and so surely God must have a limit too. And so we're trying to recreate God in our image but the thing is, is we have been created in His image. You are created in the image of love. Well, I just can't love like that. Yes, you can, because for you not to is to go against your nature. Didn't he tell John, in, in 1 John, he said, you are of God, little children. So the first reason that people are looking for the limits of God is because they know their own limits, and they're trying to recreate God in their image. And the second reason is they don't trust this love. They just don't trust it. Well, I've been hurt by so-and-so, and I've been hurt by my mom, I've been hurt by my daddy, I've been hurt by my uncle, I've been hurt by, you know, my, my neighbor, I've been hurt, somebody has hurt me. Guess what? We all want to go through hurt. But just look at that. He says, and we trust in the love he has for us. Folks, until you can learn to really trust that God loves you, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how big of an idiot you make of yourself, I guess I'm the only one who's ever done that thing. <laughs> no matter, even when I am doing things that are completely contrary to what he told me to do, he still loves me. I didn't say he approved of all my actions, but the person of who I am and the person who I will always be, surely, he loves me. And until you can get settled in that, you're always going to struggle with really serving God and really living in God. It says we don't trust. It says we trust this love he has for us until we learn to trust in this love. God is love. He doesn't do love. Love is the atmosphere of heaven. Now, now here's, here's where you hear breaks come on. Well, you're just saying God loves everybody. Yes, I am. We, 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 no wonder our kids today have problems. I said it last week. We teach them, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. 
And then when they finally grow up and they get past the point where they sing those little songs, we put them in, in, our, in our services and we put them in churches and they hear, God loves you as long as you do X, 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 X. And then you reach the limit of his love and he's going to drop kick you Jesus. <laughs> and so we, what we do is we create a people that's confused. Does God love me or God does he not? This whole series was designed because I received a phone call from a person that I used to pastor going to a church. And he said, listen, I thought God loved us all, all the time, no matter what. That's what you taught me. That's what you've been preaching. I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to church now. They don't say that. And it's a wonder how many times, folks, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, love is of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 that we just looked at says, God is love. For God to stop loving means that God will have to stop being God. I can't believe what I just did. I can't believe I messed it up again. We get this prodigal son mentality. We rehearse our sinner's prayer. Father, I've said against you, if you can just take me back as a slave, God never loved you as a slave. He had always loved you as a child. And even though the things that you've done have taken you into some dark places, doesn't mean your father has ever stopped loving you. He can't. You see, God has to... It, see, I guess I'm not listening because I've heard some of this over the last week or so. There has to be a limit. There has to be. Why? If God stops loving, then He stops being God. Then that means He changes. Then that means there's not one part of the Word that you can trust. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ, if you're reading the, the King James Version, the Passion Translation says Jesus the Anointed One is how often the same? Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same. Jesus said, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he doesn't change. He is love. He walks in love. The love of God is the most constant thing in the universe. But we try to judge that love by how we love. Well, I know so-and-so, they got divorced and, and they, they used to love each other, but they don't love each other no more. And, and listen, just because we have a frail and faulty idea of what love is doesn't mean he does. Come on. He does not change. This love will stay the same. It is the most constant thing in the universe. Go back to 1 John chapter 4. Let's look at verse 19. How do we respond to this kind of love? How does this kind of love make us respond? I like the message version of 1 John 4, 19. It says, and though we, and we though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. Folks, we can't even love God correctly until you rest in the fact of how unbelievably precious you are in His sight. 
And we can never express God's love to a world that is in a mess because no one's ever told them God loves them. I'm going to tell myself, and you don't have to agree with me, and that's okay, because we love each other, and we don't always agree when we love each other. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. I got a video from a, a, a person that I used to pastor, and they said, I want you to watch this. And here was a person standing on the corner of a parking lot with megaphone in hand, declaring how angry and how mad how frustrated God is at every car that goes by. Folks, can I tell you how silly that is? First, it shows me that these people, I'm getting myself in trouble. And it's okay. I've been with it wrong. These people are afraid of intimacy. And they're afraid of one-on-one -on -one contact. And so what they hear when people drive by, <laughs> but there was this young man coming across the street and this guy starts blasting this megaphone in his face. And after he tells him the 50,000 ways that God is going to roast him. Come on, am I the only one that's ever heard this all your life? Of God. It doesn't. Oh, mm, so much over here. 
says a lot for our bipolar preaching, doesn't it? He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And that's why we treat God. I'm not preaching that next week. He loves me, he loves me not. When we hope, we just hope that it lands. Y'all remember doing that, killing your little friends? Love me, love me not. And we hope, oh, it, and how many of you ever did this? You counted to make sure that it would land on the one you wanted to land on? <laughs> Don't you don't have to pick pills off a flower with God to know that He loves you, and there's not a thing in this universe that you can do that will never make Him stop loving you. He said you've got to be rooted, you've got to be stabilized. It's good to talk about a root system that goes out and grows out deep and it intertwines. That's where God wants you. That when you talk about love and you begin to talk about God, that you're just, God loves me. Yeah, but you did this and you did that. God loves me. He might not like this or that that I did. And I've got to come to terms with this and that that I'm doing. And I've got to fix this and that that I'm doing. But He still loves me. He said that you be rooted and grounded. Grounded means to lay a foundation. It means to lay a foundation of a lifestyle for a basis of a lifestyle. The love of God is the most sure thing about our salvation that you could ever get. The love of God is more sure than, than the joys of heaven. It's more sure than the fears of hell. God wants our knowledge of His love to be so deep that it's the very thing that creates in us a mindset of I will never lose sight of my lover. When I understand how much He loves me, that I want to do everything I can do to please my lover. And the things that, this, that, don't, that He doesn't approve of, guess what? I find myself, I won't do See, it's, 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 it's this mentality that has to come to us that says we are never going to stop. I'm never going to give up on him. He's never going to give up on me. So we're going to get through this thing together. We're taking it all the way to the end. Folks, the knowledge of God's love for you is more important than any theological basis that you'll ever try to come up with. doesn't matter what your theological thought is. It's the love of God is where he wanted you rooted and grounded. Go back to that Ephesians 3, 17, verse. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend of all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. This is not a theological statement. This is a spiritual reality. God loves you. John chapter 17. It's funny how things start sticking out that we never really do. Or we, we just read over the Bible. Verse 23. You live fully in me. Now, this is Jesus talking to the Father. If you're reading King James Version, it starts out, I in them, and you in me. But the Passion Translation flips it. It says, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. 
So where does Christ live fully? In us. So where does the Father live fully? In us. I take you another scripture shows you where the Holy Ghost lives fully in you. You are the house of the Trinity of God. It's hard to live someplace you don't love. And now I live fully in them that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. God loves the world with the same passionate love. It didn't take some it didn't take the right words that you spoke. It didn't take some magic prayer. Come on. I think sometimes we need to remember the scripture says a fool thinks he's heard for as much speaking. Sometimes you just got to let things settle, Jack. It didn't take some magical prayer for God to love you. The moment you came kicking and screaming into this world, God didn't love you any more than He loved you ten months earlier. Jeremiah says, before you formed me in the womb, you knew me. God knew you before you ever came into this world. He knew the existence you were going to live when He put you in this world. And His love for you just continues. It is steadfast. It is short. It is always there. He said, for they will see that you love they, each one of them with the same passionate love that you love for me. Jump down to verse 26. I, I got messed up reading this chapter. He says, I have revealed them, revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them, so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. Hmm. For your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. Folks, you got to understand, Jesus' great prayer here is that the world would just understand how much God loved them. And Jesus' prayer is if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he is still saying, God, just keep revealing how much you love them. Let them know that you love them as much as you love me, that you are so passionate about them, that you are so hungry for them, that you will chase them down. You are ravishing ravished with your love for them that they love you in return but God's love is never based on whether we give it in return or not well I love you as long as you love me but the moment you don't love me anymore Sally well you're on your own chick God never does this that way he says love me and if you go running from him, kicking and screaming, he still will love you. And when you're out here doing everything you know you shouldn't be doing, he still loves you. You can't cause him to stop. Folks, this is the gospel. 
This is the good news. This is what changes hearts. You know, Ted, when I finally gave in to this love, because that's, that's all it is, it's just kicking and screaming against God's love. You know? But when I finally gave in, do you know what he never threatened me with? Hell. I was on the phone with my mother. I was living in Westerville, Ohio. I was on the phone with my mom. She said, did you go to church today? So I faked an argument with her to get her off the phone. <laughs> and immediately, you know what the Holy Spirit said? And this is all he said to me. You know what you need. See, I know where I had been the night before. I know what I had done the night before. He knew where I had been the night before. And the only thing he said to me is, you know what you need. And like a child, you ever, you ever try to pick up a kid that don't want to be hugged? <laughs> they're kicking and they're screaming and they're barking and they're pulling away and you just want to love on them and they're fighting. This is what we do with God. This is what the entire world is doing with God who's just trying to love them. I said, yeah, I know what I need. I need to go in the other room. Now, I'm not joking to you. I said those words. I walked in the other room and I felt God's presence even stronger. He said it again. You know what you need. Bill, I said, yeah, I know what I need. I need to go to bed. So I go upstairs and I go in my bedroom. Funny thing. He just wouldn't let me go. And then I said to me, you know what you need. Yeah, I need to sleep in the other room. <laughs> so I went to the other room. And finally, he meets me right there. I just can't run anymore. I used to, I, I, no, I still have a niece. I was the only one that, we, we, Dee and I babysat her while her parents, they both worked night shift. And, and when it was time to go to bed, I pick her up and she starts screaming, no, Uncle Brent, no. Because she knew if I held her in my arms long enough, she'd go to sleep. That's all God's doing. Kicking the screaming, she'd get in my lap. She'd want out, she'd want down, she'd cry, the mommy, the daddy. She wouldn't want anybody. But, but eventually, see, that's what happened to me that night. I just couldn't run from love anymore. Because love is going to love me whether I want him to love me or not. Do you hear what I said? Love was going to love me if I wanted him to love me or not because God is love. So love was going to love me. Mr. Love was going to love all over me and he wasn't going to let me get away. And I walked into that other bedroom and he said, you, you, you dirty, rotten mouth, you filthy. No, he said, you know what you need. And so I found me some family. I said, somebody needs to get me through this. And I finally submitted to love. You ever wonder what would happen if we just loved the hell out of people? I know that shocked some of you. That's what he did for me. Before the foundation of the world. Ephesians said from the foundation of the world, he chose us in him. Imagine that. 
Adam was just a kid running from love. How do you mean he ran from love? He ran and hid. God never ran from Adam. It was man, and we're still doing it today. Mankind's still trying to hide from love. Oh, and it doesn't change. So how much God loved Jesus? That's what, that's what, that was his prayer in those verses. I want them to know the same passionate love you have for me. So until we can understand how much he loves us, we will struggle. How much did he love Jesus? Because that's how much Jesus says he loves us. I'm going to read you just a few more scriptures. Today is probably my apologetic message for this. Somebody should have never told me what is the limit. There has to be a limit to God's love. How do you do that? So I just want to read. If God, if Jesus says, I want you to love me, I want them to know that you love them with the same passion love you love me, then how much did God love Jesus? Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Matthew 17, verse 5. Out of the Passion Translation. It says, but while Peter was still speaking, a radiant cloud composed of light spread over them, enveloping them all. And God's voice suddenly spoke from the cloud and said, this is my dearly loved son, the constant focus of my delight. Listen to him. If you're reading the King James Version today, it says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When Ron started that today, I turned around and said, shh, you're giving it away. How much did God love Jesus? Well, enough to say this over How much does God love you? Well, Jesus said he loves us with the same passionate love he had for Jesus. So what's Jesus said over you right now? What's God said over you right now? This is my beloved child. The constant focus of my delight. God loves you as much as you love Jesus. Jesus didn't have to perform to please God. His love was based on his relationship with God. Folks, you ready? You ready? I want to take away all your crutches. You don't have to perform for God to love you. He just does because of your position. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. He takes pleasure in just being with you. I love how the message puts this. And God told them, I will never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. King James Version says that with a, with, a uh, with a great love that he drew them, even into kindness. But I love how the message puts it. I've never stopped loving you and never will. Expect love. So what can I expect from God? Love, love, and more love. He is love. And anything that we do that causes us to feel like God doesn't love us is not from God. Everybody okay? Yes. So, so sometimes I feel like I had to double down. What's the limit of God's love? Well, Matthew, no. First uh, John chapter 3. This is the last one, guys. No, it's not online. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 
Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that He has lavished on us. He has called us and has made us His very own beloved children. That's the same words He said about Jesus, wasn't it? Look in marvelous wonder at the love He's lavished on us. He has called us and made us His very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is because it didn't recognize Him. They're still trying to run from love. Because to a kid that don't want to be loved on, that's torture. The greatest evangelistic tool you'll ever have is not standing on some street corner with a bullhorn in your hand or standing in some picket line with big giant signs. The greatest evangelistic tool in the universe is the love of God. Amen. People never run toward bad news. They usually run from it. So why don't we give them the good news? Last one. Romans chapter 8. What's the limit of God's love? This is a forever kind of love, folks. This is a forever kind of love. Are we there reason? The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. King James Verse says you did not receive the spirit of fear. I like this. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. King James verse 7, you've received the spirit of adoption. What does adoption mean? Adoption means you are fully accepted into that family. You are one part of that family and can never be removed. Oof. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. You will never feel orphaned, for as He rises up within us, our spirits join <coughs> Him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, Abba, Papa, Father. <laughs> for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as He whispers to our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And if you hear a voice that is not saying that to you, then you need to cut that voice off. Amen. Yes. I'm telling the scriptures today. Yes. You are now God's child. We're not trying to become God's children. And since we are His true children, we qualify to share in all His treasures. We are heirs of God Himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that He is. Oh, you need to get that. Because you are connected to Christ, you inherit all that Christ is. Another part of the scripture read a few weeks ago says, As he is on the earth, so are you. Now, we will experience being co-glorified. Well, to God be all the glory. He's willing to share glory with you. 
and sacrilege of man, you are co-glorified with Christ. And since we have experienced this, being co-glorified with Christ, with Him provided that we accept His sufferings as our own. Well, see, there's that suffering thing. Right. You look at His sufferings as your sufferings. He took your place. He suffered. Now you don't have to. And what He's willing to do, He's willing to sit you on the throne. Ephesians chapter 2 says we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Why? Because we're in Him and He's in us. We're seated up there on the throne. And Jesus says, come up here, share my throne. Share my throne. Here, take some glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. This is how much you're loved. You are loved so much He's willing to share everything that He is with your being. And in that, you will find a spirit of complete and full acceptance by God. And when we understand how much He loves us, I know how much He loves me. So I try not to do things that get in the way of that love. But here's the thing. She'll never quit loving me. She's crazy that way. <laughs> and here's the thing about God. He'll never stop. You can go off kicking and screaming and flailing your arms and fighting and saying, no, no, no. No, Papa, no. No, Papa, no. And to take a line from the shack, he's especially fond of you. 